This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about black pudding. Yes. Oh, I'm excited to talk about this. Oh, me too. Uh, and as we record this, uh, St. Patrick's Day is about, it's a week away. It's exactly a week away. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. And right. So I was, you know, we were thinking of topics and uh, I thought of one of my very favorite parts of one of my very favorite things, which is a big old Irish or English breakfast with mm -hmm. some blood pudding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny because I have uh, a new tradition, which is quarantine anniversary. Uh, oh no! Oh and dear! It's, it's coming up on Heck. Sunday, March thirteenth. Two years. Uh, but I got my first vaccine on St. Patrick's Day. So anyway, St. Patrick's Day has kind of become... <laughs> yeah, sort of part of the... Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing. But I got a whole celebration plan. There's going to be corned beef and Guinness uh, and other things that I had before I knew a pandemic was coming <laughs> that day. So it's going to be good. Um, so I have had a few black puddings in my life. And I will say the first time I had it, I had no idea what it was. Um, and... As mentioned in previous episodes, that in part was because the the word pudding can mean a lot of different things. <laughs> uh, I mean, mostly. Well, okay, no, there, no, it can be a bunch of different things. Sure, um, uh, but especially in American versus UK English, yes. Um, in the United States, when you say pudding, people think of like a creamy dessert. Yes. Uh, and in the UK, when you say pudding, you often mean, oh, I don't know. It could Can be I... several things. Yeah. <laughs> it, it could, could be. be a, it could be like a steamed dessert or it could be like a kind of sausage. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a bunch of, bunch of stuff in there. Yes. Which we will talk about. We will talk yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I got so excited about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did too. Um, because it's it's always fun. It kind of reminds me of our Ambrosia episode where literally 
I'm still kind of unclear. It can mean so many different things yeah. based on who you're asking. I feel like pudding is similar. However, I am such a nerd. I immediately think of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and in fact, I believe the first creature you fought in the current campaign we have going was a pudding. It was in the, the pudding family of monsters. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I I don't remember you calling it a, a pudding, but no. um but it was I do remember fighting an ooze. So um well a lot of times what I do a peek behind the curtains mm-hmm. is I I have like a villain I want, but it's too difficult for like at the time this was your very oh. first battle. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so I don't want you to look it up and be like, no, puddings can't do that whatever so i kind of like don't tell you what it is and just sort of make it appropriate for the level that you're currently on all right that's good i'm i, <laughs> I don't want amazing. you to get wiped out immediately by and not certainly not by a pudding that would be uh yeah yeah it would be you would be a bad dm if you yeah. uh let your entire uh, party perm like first game due to a pudding that would be that would no. be mean although i will say it was like the most optional of optional battles you could have chosen so you know just to put that out there <laughs> we do like murdering so there you go there um, you go uh, goodness my gracious. Um, <laughs> for anyone who has no idea what we're talking about, it would take too long to explain, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> um, we will we will come back to another note about Dungeons and Dragons later, though. Never fear. Um, uh, <laughs> or fear, <laughs> or fear, or fear. Ch- yeah. uh, choose your own adventure. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, yeah. The first the first time I had a uh, black pudding was in. England at like a chain pub for breakfast as part of like a large plate of like 17 different kinds of meats. <laughs> yes. It was so delightful. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I'd always, I, I, I'd read about it before in, I don't know, I'm assuming like, like UK children's books or possibly like The Hobbit or something like that. Um, but Right, but didn't wasn't really sure what it was until like it showed up on my plate, and I was like, "Oh, that's what it is. Cool." Yeah, I think I I similarly had it on a kind of like traditional uh, breakfast thing when I was in London, uh, and I believe I I was so unaware of what it was that I thought like something else on the plate was oh like huh. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> But I liked everything on the plate. So <laughs> so good. So good. Oh, I, th- mm. this was this is like one of the most problematic cravings I've had in a hot minute because I don't I don't know how to source this. Yeah, this is a tricky one for sure. <sighs> okay. I think we can pull it off though. Um you can see our past episodes on Boudin um or on Haggis. Which is related to what we're going to be talking about. If you yeah, want totally. To more. Mm-hmm. But I guess that brings us to our question: Black pudding. What is it? Well, uh, black pudding is a type of sausage that is made not from ground meat, but rather uh, some kind of like hearty grain cereal, like oats or barley, that's mixed with blood and animal fat and seasoned with onion, salt, pepper, and and usually some kind of like heady herbs like uh, thyme or savory. It's uh, stuffed into casings, typically, and uh, cooked until tender and uh, like this deep reddish purpley black color. And often served fried up in thick slices for breakfast alongside things like eggs and bacon and beans and tomatoes and mushrooms and sliced ham and toast. I'm so mm-hmm. hungry right now. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, and, and more other sausages. Why not put some more sausage on that plate? Um, but yeah, black pudding is chewy and tender and fatty and salty and a little like um, earthy or nutty. And it's, it's, like, it's like salami made with the extra scrappy scraps yeah um mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a dense dark meatball without the meat uh it's so okay. so comforting and like stick to your ribs oh 
I just was reminded of Scrapple, which we still haven't tried. Oh. But yes. It sounds delicious. I just, I just need people to make me breakfast. <laughs> Agreed. Well, that is something that I miss so hard right now. Oh, okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. anyway. Um To make a black pudding, you cook the oats. These days, I've seen recipes usually call for you cooking the oats in in water or maybe like water and milk, and then blend that uh, with the rest of your ingredients and either stuff into a casing or uh, maybe a pudding cloth and boil it or form it up into a loaf pan and bake it. And yeah, the the finished product will be studded with like pale bits of that main cereal grain. Um, Pork is the traditional blood and fat component, but beef and sheep are pretty common too. Um, Blood itself is a thickening agent, but other thickeners might include stuff like breadcrumbs or wheat flour. Uh, You might add cream or spices like ginger, mace, coriander, or nutmeg. Um, White pudding is made the same way, but without the blood. Um... So it's just that that it, it's it's white because right it's just that cereal grain color yeah, mm-hmm. and there are all kinds of blood sausages made around the world um, in similar to kind of quite different styles. Um, we're not talking very much about those today. Nope, too much. Yep, yep. But we are aware they exist. <laughs> Narrowing in. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, but I mean, there are all kinds of black pudding made, too. Um, uh, chefs and food companies have been adding all kinds of, like, accompanying ingredients to to those to those basics. Um, I've seen uh, recipes call for hot chilies or um, chunks of, like, beets or rhubarb or apples or pears or um, or some, like, some, like, wine-soaked raisins, um, some chocolate, Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. There are, you know, like gluten-free versions, vegetarian versions. And aside from sliced on a breakfast plate, you know, you can use black pudding however you use sausage um, as like the protein in a main dish or chopped up in a stew, uh, crumbled out of its casing and used as a filling or a mix-in for savory baked goods or casseroles or what have you, or just like straight up with some malt vinegar. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the nutrition? Uh, tends to be a calorie-dense food. Uh, has a bit of carbs and protein um, and a great smattering of minerals, but is heavy on the fat and on the salt. Um, so watch out for that if those are things you're watching for. Watch your portion sizes in general. Eat a vegetable, you know. Always. Always eat a vegetable. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we do have some numbers for you. <laughs> we do. This one I, I I I couldn't track down. It was it was difficult to track down like economics related numbers. Um, but uh I did find that there's this French-based organization called In Translation, the Brotherhood of the Knights of the Blood Sausage. Okay. And <laughs> All right, I'm into it. Okay. (laughs) And uh, they've been operating since 1963. And uh, in 2010, they inducted um, uh, Irish black pudding producers into their ranks for the first time. They inducted three three black pudding makers from Ireland. Um, Every year they award like dozens of medals in different blood sausage categories to different blood sausage submissions um uh, as of <laughs> as of 2016 they received 611 entries from 363 competitors wow okay yeah. okay i feel like they need to be inducted into our long talked about but never actually done a dunker cartoon <laughs> We've got a lot of pieces. Yeah. Just haven't followed through. But I yeah. feel like Brotherhood oh, no. of the Knights of the Blood Sausage should be in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the Black Pudding Knight would certainly be. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he could be at odds with the Toastmaster. If anyone's completely lost, this is like a cartoon <laughs> we have that's mostly pun-based about a donut that solves crimes. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know why we've never actually produced it. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, 
sounds it's great. I have some illustrations already. You do. Um, you do. We've got lots of ideas. We've got lots of ideas. <laughs> <The> follow through <laughs> where we are falling down right now, but <laughs> anyway. Uh, um the town of Ramsbottom in Lancashire, or Greater Manchester, England, is home to the World Black Pudding Throwing Championships. Yep. Let that sink in. Uh-huh. <laughs> Annually, on the second Sunday in September, a steam train arrives with a golden grid that is transported to the Oaks Pub with an entourage of bagpipers. Once the grid is placed, a slew of brave souls will attempt to throw some black puddings at Yorkshire puddings, which are like a brinier variety. Yeah. Um, a one-pound entry fee gets the contestant three blood puddings wrapped in tights uh, to keep them from breaking apart. And these blood puddings are then thrown at 12 Yorkshire puddings residing atop a 20-foot scaffold. Whoever knocks the most Yorkshire puddings off the scaffold wins. The winner in 2019 knocked down eight in a single throw. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. that's pretty good. His prize was a silver trophy filled with black puddings. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> oh, I love this so much. I love this so much. Uh, so this event goes back to at least the 1980s, though... Some argue it goes back all the way to the War of Roses in the 15th century. Basically, the story goes that both sides ran out of ammunition, so they started throwing food at each other. Uh, I don't know about that, but this event sounds fun. <laughs> yes, it sounds tremendously fun. It. Um, uh, I, I was reading some like firsthand accounts of going, and it seems it seems like a great party. It seems like just a really great street party. Um, they yeah. could not hold one in 2020 due to the pandemic, but it was back in 2021. So, so I assume it's going to be back this year, hopefully. Yes, and listeners, if you have been, if you have competed. We've got to know about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's and and like it is internationally attended. Like <laughs> it is. You're right. <laughs> oh, gosh. <sighs> one day, maybe one day. Oh, well, in the meantime, we do have a lot of history for you. We do. And we're going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? 
Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. <laughs> I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No Me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, yes, there are a lot of types of blood sausages around the world. But for this episode, we're focusing on one general type thought to have originated in Ireland and Great Britain. Uh, the British in particular do like to lay claim to it. Um, and of course, there are ancestors and history within that. But that's kind of our focus. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's got quite enough going on as it is. Because oh, sure. Yes, as mentioned, the term pudding has been used for all kinds of foods throughout history. So that's confusion already. On top of that, some historians call the black pudding the most ancient of sausages and puddings. So that's a lot. Mm -hmm. And they generally agree that the first puddings produced by ancient cooks were savory and meat-based and perhaps sausage-like, uh, things like the ancient Roman sausage composed of pig's blood and thickeners, um, though others credit the ancient Greeks with this invention instead. Mm. Mm -hmm. Could be both. <laughs> I'm always like, probably people. Probably, probably both. Probably <laughs> just people were like, oh, what are we going to do with all this blood? Let's figure out some way to use it. Exactly. <laughs> As discussed in many previous episodes, dishes like this had a lot to do with preservation, making ingredients stretch, and not wasting anything. So when a pig is killed for eating, yeah, there is a lot of blood. And blood is pretty perishable. This was before refrigeration, too. So it made sense to encase this blood in some of the slaughtered animals' entrails and cook it in order to get as much food as possible from the livestock. Mm-hmm. Around 1000 BCE, Homer's The Odyssey mentions what many would call a black pudding, a fire-roasted stomach filled with fat and blood. Uh, the believed oldest detailed recipe of black pudding can be found in the Epicurus from the first few centuries CE, somewhere in there, uh, which recommended intestines as opposed to a stomach as the casing. Mm -hmm. It also called for chopped leeks, onions, hard-boiled egg yolks, and pine kernels. Ooh, oh, that sounds good. I know, right? <laughs> uh, notably, it didn't call for any type of cereal. The most black puddings at the time were probably being made using some type of cereal. Even poor families typically had a pig that was slaughtered in the fall uh, to last through winter months, meaning that black pudding was most likely pretty common. Uh, though due to the timing, like so many pork dishes we've discussed, uh, they did become somewhat associated with holidays and feasts. But pigs were not at all the only animal used to make black pudding. Mm -hmm. Sheep and goats were also pretty common, but all animals were fair game. <laughs> um, and the meat used often reflected class. I wanted to include this quote from Colin Spencer's British food, an extraordinary thousand years of history. Sausages were also a great favorite. Indeed, from Greek times, they appeared to have been a staple in the kitchen in all countries. Perhaps the reason lies in their economical way of using all the odd bits of the carcass, and once well-seasoned, moistened with tasty fat, the smoking and drying intensifying the flavor, they became an addiction in a country's food, reflecting the taste of a region in their use of particular flavorings. Late autumn was the time to make black puddings, which became a delicacy to be eaten on feast days. They could be puddings of porpoise mixed with oatmeal, seasoning, and blood, or of capon's neck where the stuffing was forced into the neck, then roasted with the bird. How much spice was used in the recipes must have been a personal choice partly dictated by economics. So yeah, a lot of different varieties going on. Yeah. 
Sure. It's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. One of those, one of those foods of, of necessity and, uh, and, uh, practicality that became, um, its own, its own separate, separate thing. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, um, and I also wanted to, to include this quote from Brid Mahan's work, Land of Milk and Honey, the story of traditional Irish food and drink. Uh, and this was a quote that they sourced from a historical document to describe a method once used to make black pudding. Okay. Uh-huh. Long ago, when they killed pigs, they kept the intestines to make puddings. They washed them clear in a running stream, and they were left to soak in spring water overnight. The castings were cut into 15-inch lengths tied at one end. Salt, lard, oatmeal, finely chopped onions, spices, peppers, and cloves, together with a cup of flour, were mixed with the pig's blood, which had been collected in a bucket. Each pudding was three-quarters filled and tied at the end. It was dropped into a pot half-filled with water, which had been brought to simmering point, cooked for about an hour, then taken up, allowed to cool, and divided amongst the neighbors. This was always done. When needed for use, puddings were fried in a pan. This was always done. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, splitting it up with your neighbors. Oh, sure. Of course. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Okay, as <laughs> just like I really want this right now. Yes. I don't know why this of all things is my cravings episode. Um, okay. Uh, meanwhile, back to this to this um, etymology confusion. All right. So, the word pudding was in use in English by around 1300 or so, um, and at first it did apply just to sausages. Right. Um, uh, there's a bit of an argument over whether we got the word from a Germanic root, uh, a pud, meaning to swell, or from the Old French boudin for sausage, um, itself from the Latin botellus. I don't have a, a, a personal <laughs> stake in this. Sure you don't. Sure you don't. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, and when the 17th century rolled around, Puddings were still largely savory. Black puddings were meat-based, while white puddings were uh, sausage casings or stomach linings filled with suet, cereal, and breadcrumbs, often flavored. And there were sweet varieties of white puddings. Here's a 1615 recipe for black pudding from the English housewife. Take the blood of a whole hog whilst it is warm and steep it in a quart or more of great oatmeal grits. And at the end of three days, with your hands, take the grits out of the blood and drain them clean. Then put to those grits more than a quart of the best cream warmed on the fire. Then take mother of thyme, parsley, spinach, succory, endive, sorrel, and strawberry leaves, of each a few chopped exceeding small, and mix them with the grits and also a little fennel seed, finely beaten. Then add a little pepper, cloves, and mace, salt, and great store of suet finely shred and well beaten. Then therewith fill your frames, farms, I think frames, some kind of device, Mm -hmm. and foil them as hath been before described. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love these old-timey recipes, but they can trip me up because I'm not entirely sure <laughs> what some of that means. Yeah, uh yeah, the 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 word that Annie was we 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 took a break to discuss it off off air, but um yeah, it's 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 written as uh there with filler Farms, F A R M E S. Mm-hmm. I suspect that someone just made a mistake in copying out from one of these old books, um, and it and it was frames. Mm-hmm. But but maybe this is a device that I'm unfamiliar with. Yes, listeners, I know a lot of you have some old timey recipe books. So if you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we should ping. Uh, we should ping Julia Skinner, uh, Doctor yes. Julia Skinner. Yes. Of course. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She's so cool. She's so cool. Yes. Um, yes. Well, also around this time, eating black pudding became kind of controversial in European Christian religious circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the debate was fierce in the 16th and 17th centuries, further stoked by Sir Isaac Newton's outspoken distaste for black pudding and refusal to eat it for breakfast. Ah. Um and so he got roped into this whole argument as sort of a non-religious support 
uh, in this religious argument, like the side that was saying we shouldn't eat it. See, Sir Isaac Newton won't, even though it wasn't really a religious wasn't, argument he yeah. was making. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, in 1652, Thomas Barlow published The Trial of Black Pudding, and it actually has a really long title after that, but I did not have the strength to type it out. Uh, but you can look it up. Um, and in this, he argued that black pudding was a violation under Hebrew law and Christian exemptions as given by the apostles. So, really Yeah, it. it was this whole, there was so much debate about this um, over in the American colonies as well. Um, in 1697, a Puritan minister by the name of Increase Mather, which is a great name, um, yes. uh, he published a pamphlet called A Case of Conscience Concerning Eating of Blood Considered and Answered. Wow. He, re he reckoned it was okay. He was like, <laughs> he was like, well... We don't, like, follow every rule in Leviticus anyway. Uh, mm. So if, like, those are okay, then this is okay. And also, like, don't get too worked up about the blood of Christ because that's, like, a specific sacrament. And it's not saying that all blood is a sacrament. That's something different. He had this whole thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Multiple pamphlets and works on oh, yeah. the morality of black pudding. Okay. Okay. <laughs> By the 17th century, the British had savory puddings as well as sweet puddings. That These sweet puddings were usually a mixture of flour, sugar, and nuts. Um, both may have been specifically boiled in special pudding bags, which was news to me. I'd never heard about this. <laughs> but oh, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is also where some of the linguistic confusion comes in. Because by the end of the 18th century, traditional English puddings rarely contained meat. Um, many were made of flour, among other ingredients, and were often cake-like. Uh, many traditional English Christmas puddings stemmed from this. A part of this whole thing may have been due to the cooking technology available in the homes of average folks, and specifically oven temperatures, um, and the 17th century invention of, yeah, the pudding cloth, which allowed for folks to ditch the savory meat casing if they wanted to, um, some people switched to pastry mm -hmm. instead. Yes. Um, and different episode, but custard. Okay. Okay. Including savory varieties followed a similar historical path that we've been going down on this timeline. However, the real forking of the path in terms of the English use of the word pudding versus the American use took place in the 1840s when a lot of Americans did not need to cook pudding. Um and pudding was something that was perhaps seen as a meal meant to stretch when food times were tight. Um, mm -hmm. And Americans had so many other options. At the same time, an English chemist named Alfred Bird invented a custard powder that could be used in place of eggs as the thickening agent. And Americans really took to it, using that or cornstarch for their custardy desserts, especially for those who didn't have ready access to eggs. And it was interesting because I read a whole paper about, like, Americans going west and not having <laughs> eggs yeah. and huh. using these kinds of things. Um, and again, this type of pudding is a separate episode. But oh yeah, <laughs> there's a little, little insight, a little teaser for whenever we get to it. Hmm. But uh, in the meantime, back to savory meat puddings. The first records of beefsteak and mutton puddings started popping up in the 18th century. Then jumping ahead and back into the world of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, <laughs> Gary Gygax <laughs> introduced the black pudding monster. Um, in the first edition of Dungeons & Dragons in 1974. Um, it is, yes, an ooze type of monster um, that consumes pretty much everything except stone. And it was going to consume you. It but it tried. It did try, and then you destroyed it. Yeah. Uh, there you go, Black Pudding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go look and I'll have to go look back through my notes because there's several puddings. I'm not sure if I used a black pudding. But I definitely used a pudding for that first battle. <laughs> I I didn't I didn't look into it too hard, but now I'm really I'm really curious like how how this made its way into the monster manual. Like what yes. the origin of that is. Um and yes. uh, again, if anyone knows, 
please write in. Please. I love this wide range of requests we give our listeners. <laughs> and you you always answer the calls, so we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, health codes and standards in the 1970s and 80s made it harder for smaller businesses to get their hands on fresh blood, making it harder for them to make black pudding and leading to some closures. BSE, or mad cow disease, further put a dent in demand and led to the UK banning the collection of fresh blood. Meanwhile, Denmark was able to produce powdered blood, a product that was easier to transport and obtain as compared to the fresh variety. Um, Even after the ban on fresh blood was lifted, many smaller slaughterhouses that collected fresh blood and or producers of blood sausages never really recovered. On top of that, black pudding has gotten somewhat of a bad rap in places where it isn't traditional. Um... And is sometimes called something that is gross, uh, even up until 2013 when a popular map was circulating with the most, quote, disgusting foods of Europe that included black pudding. Um, I personally enjoyed a 1993 Washington Post article where author Cecily Neighbors described trying black pudding on several occasions on a trip to Scotland and being met with a lot of deflections um, when she asked what was in it, where they'd be like, oh, this, 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 just, no, whatever, it's fine, whatever. Um, so she finally looked it up and discovered the secret ingredient they'd been hiding from her was blood. Here's a quote. These Scots, I thought, think they're so tough. Wait till I tell them what's in hot dogs. <laughs> I love that. I love oh, that so goodness. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this author really, really enjoyed them. Um, But I do also understand the kind of hesitance to tell tourists, especially what what is in there after they've had it already. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, that was a common theme in this article of people not knowing what was in uh, black pudding, even people who may have grown up eating it, not being sure what was in there. Yeah. Yeah. But with the nose to tail movement, demand is growing. And it's worth noting in some places like Ireland, while it's had its ups and downs when it comes to demand, uh, it's never gone away. Yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, speaking of sustainable eating and the nose to tail kind of thing, um, more recently, a student in the UK worked with local breweries to produce a black pudding made half from oats and half from uh, spent beer grains. Um, with the idea of reducing waste. Nice. They said it tasted really good and kind of beery. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) Um, In 2014, a UK artist by the name of John O'Shea put together an art installation slash like science and economics experiment called Black Market Pudding. Mm. And this was intended to call attention to uh, butchery practices. Um, and uh, uh, l- let me let me give you a, a quote from the exhibit page. Um, Black market pudding is manufactured using blood taken from a living pig. It proposes a cyclical business model to ensure a uniquely fair deal for farmer, animal, and consumer. Through a routine veterinary procedure, blood is obtained from the animal in a humane, healthy, and safe way. Producers are then compensated for costs associated with breeding and maintaining the animals that are kept outside of the traditional food chain. Consumers pay a premium market price for the pudding and the reassurance that no animals are harmed in the making of this product. Hmm. Yeah. He actually created and sold black market pudding in the Netherlands and Poland a couple years before the exhibit went up. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um... (laughs) Also, just to end on, I guess, a really weird note, um, in 2015, a British journalist uh, by the name of Michael Mosley made a black pudding with his own blood um, during this whole bout of research he was doing into the history and like modern science of, of blood. Huh. Yep. That's okay. uh-huh. <laughs> okay, sure. He was like, blood's really cool. Yeah. I'm going to use mine for black pudding. Did he eat it? Yeah. Oh. Well, all right then. Wow. I got a lot of thoughts 
that I feel like are a separate episode. <laughs> I think we could talk about it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not personally familiar with with this personality, uh, but apparently he is a former uh, doctor of some kind um, who's been working with, I think, the BBC for like decades. Um, mm. And mm. yeah. Uh, yeah. If you have any opinions about that, write in and let us know. Um, <laughs> but oh, but for sure, I I like it, do, doing this episode really did bring me back to the Buran episode, um, and I know I'm still not pronouncing it correctly. I'm sorry. Um, uh, my French is terrible. My New Orleans French is even worse. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, because I, I I feel bad because in that episode I you know was kind of like, hey, we're talking about how the sausage is literally made, and like that's that is kind of gross. So so sorry if this makes anyone squeamish and like. Although, you know, like, I, I do think that that's a that's a fair, like, like warning to mm-hmm. put up. I, I think I went on too hard about how, like, some people find it gross. And um, and that's a thing that I uh, really try to not do about food because like because food, you know, like like for for everything that you look at and go like, oh, that's unusual and mm-hmm. and and I I can't imagine even trying to eat it like that's like someone else's favorite food or it's a delicacy or it's like part right. of their family's culture and you know mm-hmm. so yeah I think that's a good a good thing to keep in mind whenever you're like oh this food is gross like why do you think it's gross and sometimes yeah. it's just like you don't like it personally like I don't like mayonnaise that's <laughs> I don't like mayonnaise, but like, you know, yeah. keeping those sort of cultural, oh, I don't like black pudding. That seems weird because it's not something that you grew up with or something you're familiar with. Yeah. You know, maybe just think twice before you call out something as gross that's just not in your history. <laughs> right, right. That you're just unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. I, uh, what, what, what am I, one of my favorite breakfasts is cold leftover pizza. Um, mm. And apparently... According to my friend Cody, um, that's something that international humans, the people from outside the United States, think is just the absolute grossest thing that Americans do. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Listeners, I really want you to write it because I like that, too. <laughs> There's something so good about, like, the breakfast cold pizza or even, like, the 3 a.m. I'm hungry and I know there's pizza in there Yeah. You don't bother to heat it up? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, reheating pizza is real tricky anyway. Exactly. Like it's, it's never going to be exactly as good as it was the first time. But there's something, mm-hmm. oh, there's something so good about cold pizza. Sorry. Sorry no. if, that, if, if that's anyone's line. <laughs> yeah, people are just shutting off right now. <laughs> no, I know there's plenty of things that my international friends have told me about American food and my habits in particular that uh, huh. don't doesn't fly with them. But... <laughs> They're always really polite about it. Oh, well, there um, you go. Yes. So listeners, please write in about that. Oh yeah. Gosh. Please, please, please. Uh, in the meantime, we do have some listener mail for you. We do. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. 
for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip together. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with the snow. The snow. So I couldn't do it, but I've had that song, Nice Day for a Red Wedding, stuck in my oh, head this okay. entire time. Yeah, all nice right. Nice Day for a Black Pudding, you know. <laughs> oh, no. So that was all the right. intent. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, as always, for doing your best to go along with my wild ideas. Oh, heck. All right. All right. (laughs) Brian wrote with the subject line of what other countries think of as American foods. um, Quote, as soon as I saw this title, I thought of the wonderful host over at Savor. I don't know if you've already made an episode like this about how the rest of the world perceives our food, but if you have, it's worth a sequel. I know you have at least mentioned some of these in the past, like the Japanese tradition of KFC on Christmas. My particular favorite faux ethnic dish is the cringe-worthy American-style pizza from Poland, consisting of a cheese pizza with a can of creamed corn poured table side. Uh, This was not by far the strangest victual amongst the list. This would be really interesting because we have talked about this before, I mean, given the conversation we just had about, you yeah. know, kind of like viewing things as weird or gross that are just not uh, something that you're familiar with. Uh, I do find it interesting that in in my experience, a lot of the dishes I've had in other countries that were American style did involve corn, especially yeah. the pizza. Especially pizza. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. Yeah. I don't think I've. <laughs> Maybe I've had corn on pizza at like a like a California pizza kitchen kind of situation. Um, but I had it in Japan. I think the style was called American style, but it, yeah. had a, it had a bunch of stuff on it. But corn was one of the things. And it's a very popular pizza there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was good. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was one of those things, though, that I was kind of like, huh, corn. OK. <laughs> It reminds me of the Mary-Kate and Ashley song, Put It on a Pizza. Goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time since I bought up Mary-Kate yeah, and Ashley. Yeah, I was about to say, this is someone just, someone out there is just like, bingo! <laughs> like, <laughs> Finally! <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, what an episode that was. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, uh, Jesse wrote... <laughs> Have you guys done an episode on food competitions or even food ranking shows? Be interesting if you got an interview with uh, It's a Southern Thing from YouTube. The guy does some incredibly entertaining food ranking episodes. But in general, this whole food challenge thing would be interesting to delve into for a podcast. That it would be. Uh, And we are interested in doing it. I think we're both a little nervous. Yeah. Gonna be a lot of details, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our numbers section would just be yes, <laughs> the entire off episode. the chart. <laughs> <laughs> off the chart. I am really curious about the history of it, though. 
I wonder, I feel like humans have probably been doing that forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in, in terms of like the the like county fair style, like, oh, this right. is the biggest potato ever or like whatever it is that it is. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Has probably been going on in every community forever. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like like at what point it got formalized and um, and right. Just like, I don't know, like something about even like the history of ranking. Like, why do humans have this drive to like make that list? Yeah. It will be an examination into humanity is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, for sure, it's been on our list and uh, we will get to it one day. Someday. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yes. In the meantime, thanks to both of those listeners for writing. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.